If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings and welcome to the Golf Bank System Podcast 219. This is our 2022 Genesis Scottish Open Plus Barbasol Championship Tips Podcast. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's co-sanctioned DP World and PGO Tour action. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you? I'm all right. We are Barry-less. Barry is at the JP McManus Pro-Am. We are rather jealous. <laughs> yep. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more info. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews. We have a preview for the Scottish Open and the Barbasol Championship. Tournament strokes gained analysis. There's some good analysis there for have you have you managed to do that for your event this, this yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, there's three years worth of Renaissance Club st- uh, strokes gained data as well as um Keen Trace this week. So yeah, brilliant. Set. So that's uh, it's all completely free of charge, listeners. So just full strokes gained analysis on both courses this week. Just get stuck in. Tournament form stats, form charts including combined course plus current form. Plus, of course, our PGA Tour and DP World Tour predictive optimizers. All of these features, like this podcast, are completely free of charge with no paywall. We must be mad. Now, on Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. We won't mention Barry because he's not here. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Please subscribe and like the show. I'm recording our Scottish Open golf betting show after this podcast record. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who are kind enough to spend the time and leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. So... We've got one here. It's from Thomas McIntyre. He's in Australia. Entitled, Best Course Analysis There Is. I do like this one. I'm about 11 pints deep after a Sunday session in Melbourne. <laughs> it's almost like the Sunday I had. Just gone. So forgive me for any clear grammatical errors. But this whole panel provides terrific insight and even in non-winning weeks, it's very entertaining. Simply is a must-listen for majors and big PGA Tour events. Keep going, guys. I like that. That's from Thomas McIntyre in Melbourne. Lovely stuff. That's that's very articulate for someone who's 11 pints deep on a a Sunday. Very good. I went to a friend's uh, party in the village on Sunday. You're going to love this. So we go around there at 1.30 for a barbecue. It's a five-minute walk. We go around there. And my son's got his kung fu grading. 
uh, town close by. Yep. So don't. So we go around there with the plan. Go have have something to eat. Have a couple of drinks. I'll have a drink. Denise is driving. So next thing I can kind of remember is um, it's eight o'clock. Uh, Denise and Ollie have just come back from the grading. He's got his new belt, and he's as happy as Larry about it. And we're about nine pints in. I haven't gone home. I've, I've not left my seat. If people are just constantly bringing me beers, and you've missed his grading. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't really remember them actually leaving. So I clearly went. Oh yeah, have a great time, but you don't need me there. You don't need the extra pressure, all this, that, and the other. Bring me another beer. Yeah, so I missed the grading. <laughs> That's when you know you've got a drinking problem. Anyway. I'm sure he'll forgive you over time. He didn't care less. <laughs> I think he, he didn't want me there. But it was a good, uh, a good barbecue. Thoroughly enjoyable. Best thing is, the guy's birthday, who's uh, we were celebrating, he's a train driver, and he was um, he couldn't drink at all because he had a, his first train was at 4.55 the next morning to drive. Not so, ideal. I'm sure he was watching me with glee as I was completely clearing up his real ale collection. <laughs> um, so yeah, yesterday was a bit of a buying pool. Not only did we have the Barbasol Championship where, the, where there was about 550 um, field changes and ba- barely a, a player in there that you know, um, but by about 11 o'clock I was waning very badly. Yeah, and the uh, the field changes continue to come, don't they? It's um, it's still quite fluid on both of those events, which uh, I, I guess you, we had to expect it because of the nature of the two co-sanctioned and travel arrangements. And uh, I think what really didn't help is that a number of players were entered into both events, um, and then kind of had to pick and choose between the two and pull out one or enter in the other, and then pull out both, and it causes all sorts of problems Rob Bolton on Twitter and if you don't follow Rob for these kind of changes then oh, you need... I, feel for, I feel for Rob <laughs> yeah then you, if, you do need to follow Rob because he's always on the ball with these things um, he's been a very busy man over the last 24 hours or so yeah. doing a sterling job must be tearing his hair out mm, indeed. let's quickly mention last week although we need to we need to crack on I landed Cam Davis uh, tie for 8th 40 to 1 each way uh, I think one more birdie, and we'd have had a nice um, each-way yeah. cover for the week. Yeah, it was a bit flat on the final nine, wasn't it? Sadly, well, there were a lot. That, the scoring um, they they tend to do that at the JDC, don't they? They they, they make it quite defensive on the Sunday. Mm. All of a sudden, the scoring becomes a little bit, a little bit here. I'm being, <laughs> yeah, I'm being subjective. A little bit tougher, but uh, yes, a win for JT Poston, sixty odd to one. I think he was 66 to 1 best price with 10 bet on the Monday, yep. which was the best price in the market. One of those where, you know, looking back, you think, well, why the hell didn't I pick JT Post? And, um, but at the time, you're like, well, he's just come second, and you know, I doubt if he'll carry it on. And well, you had anyway, to ignore his. cleared up, didn't he? Absolutely. You know, wire to wire. Yeah. No you had to, to ignore his course form because the yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the, the glaring, glaringly obvious. Uh, flaw in his uh, argument last week uh, because the form was there he just had to overlook at it you know and if if you could, if you could overlook that then you picked yourself up a nice mm. winner and there, there were plenty of winners on social media that I saw who managed to uh, managed to overlook that and, uh, and bag themselves a decent uh, decent price 
So Poston was the winner of the John Deere Classic, and then you came. You got another runner-up with mm. Ryan Fox. You also landed Ryan Fox first round leader at forty to one. So you had another cracking week. Well done. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, yeah. I put my first round leader picks up on a Wednesday on social. So, um, so yeah, I, I only tend to put one name up or two if Matt Every's playing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Ryan Fox uh, first round lead. Opened with a sixty four, didn't he? Trod water all the way through from there, and then closed with another sixty four. Actually, made a bogey on the final hole, which. Um, um, I don't particularly like, as I mentioned in last week's pod, I think, but uh, it was a tough hole to final hole. Uh, posted 17 under, which for a while looked like it might just be good enough, but Adrian Moronk, four under through his final four holes, um, walked away with it. Been knocking on the door, Moronk, and you can't deny him that, um, making a lot of yeah, new, treading new grounds for uh, for Polish golf, which is, which is really good to see, um, meant an awful lot to him. Uh, yeah, just a shame that uh, Fox didn't convert. Uh, you, you can't deny the, the form that Fox is in. He's been uh, contending pretty much every week on the uh, on the DP World Tour. Um, what a quick quick word on or quick note on a guy on our Facebook group, Graham Doherty, who um, landed the Adrian Moronk Ryan Fox dual forecast at four hundred to one. 400 to 1 on that he managed to get, which um, well, is an congratulations. Out, yeah, outstanding effort, Graham. So well Who did he that. put that bet on with, do you know? Uh, that was bet 365 from memory. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, five on that, two grand back. Everyone's a winner. I bet that went down well in Stoke. <laughs> uh, wow. A drop in the ocean, I expect. Ryan Fox is up to 14th in the President's Cup qualification now, which I think, on the basis, he's purely playing DP World Tour. Yep. He's pretty mad. He's got Adam Hadwin above him and the very out-of-form Eric Van Ruen, who is the 12th. I mean, there's going to be captain picks and what you like, but... I expect Leishman gets a, a pick. He's outside the qualies at the moment, which is one to keep an eye on, actually. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Fox up to 14th, which I think is pretty... Well, it's just... On a, on a man that's not playing PGA Tour golf, he's he's really having a go at getting into this President's Cup team. Yeah. And it'd only take a decent... Well, there's, there's some big points up for grabs this week in uh, in Scotland. But, yeah, a decent week this week or next at the Open, and uh, he could find himself well inside that top 12. They've already taken Oosthausen out of the rankings with okay. this live situation. Abraham Anser is currently being quoted at five, which you would assume isn't going to last mm. if this situation with Oosthausen. So, yeah, Fox has got a real chance of cracking that President's Cup team this year. Yeah, Excellent effort from the New Zealander. Yep. Yeah. Just wanted to mention, actually, I forgot we have we have now cracked two hundred five stars on Spotify. So ra- ranking, so rating. So thank you to each and every one of you. It's so easy on Spotify. Literally, you just press the button and it's done. So if you do listen on Spotify, just it's literally two seconds work. Press that five star button. It really, really helps us, um, and we can just see it in our download numbers. It also helps us with these reviews. So keep the. Uh, Keep the reviews coming in, please, on Apple, because that's just as important. Right. Uh, Scottish Open clearly takes preference this week. It's a stellar field. 
playing it at the Renaissance uh, Golf Club over in, is it North Berwick? Yep. Up in Scotland. I've driven past the course. Um, it's a it's a nice little stretch of golf courses along there, just mm. um, to the east of Edinburgh. First up, let's look at the bookmakers. Let's, for the Scottish Open, we're going to again highlight 10 bet. Yet again, um, some of these prices are incredible. Yet again, they are offering standout prices on popular players this week at the Scottish Open with market-leading odds, which you take at five places each way at court the odds terms if you want an each-way punt. Now, as we record this podcast, they are offering market best 30 to 1 on Sam Burns, 40 to 5, 45 to 1 on Sung Jae Im, who's been on everyone's tips of their tongue recently. It's, it's like he's going to go bang at some point. 55 to 1 on the phenom that is Cameron Young. And I thought 125 to 1 on Hao Tong Lee isn't a bad price either, compared to he's about 80 to 1 with some firms. But listen to this. Now, I was mad enough to put Patrick Rogers up last week, as most people did. Um, and clearly, Patrick Rogers does what Patrick Rogers does, which is get hole in ones and then backs that up with triple <laughs> bogeys. But that's Patrick Rogers. But this week, Patrick Rogers with 10 bet is 250 to 1. Now, you compare that to Boyle Sports. And yes, they're playing 10 places each way. I get that. He's 90 to 1. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of disparity you can have on golfers with 10 bet. And that's why we always say, have a funded account with 10 bet because some weeks you're going to see a player you like and the price is just going to be extremely attractive. New 10 bet customers get a 50% welcome bonus up to 50 pounds when signing up through Golf Bank System. You can find details about their new customer promotion plus a link through to that very offer plus T's and C's in this podcast description. Now, I've got a real-life example of this, Paul. Barbasol Championship yesterday. Uh, Bet365 came up first. They were offering Chris Gotterup at 28-1 to 1 on first show. Within about five minutes, that was 25-1. to 1. Within about 10 minutes, that was 22-1. to 10-Bet then came up. Now, I've got a funded account with 10-Bet. They came up 33 to 1 on Chris Gutterup. So I was just bang. Now, on my um, preview, by the time we managed to write it and get it out, we're down to 20 to 1. <laughs> but that is the advantage. Of, you just see a price with them and you just right, click the button, get the job done. Yeah, yeah. As you say, having that funded account ready to go on a Monday is. Um... Is the is the point because the prices don't necessarily last, particularly if they're going to get. They don't. So, you know, if, if if they take some action on it, which when the price differential is so strong as you've just articulated, yeah. some of them, um, they're going to get hammered, and they do. They so. went thirty three to one gutter up. I managed to get on ten minutes later twenty fives, and then they're uh, twenty eight rather, and then within about half an hour twenty fives. Mm. So yeah. Yep, well worth quick. having a funded account with 10bet via golf betting system. Right, Paul, you take us away on the Scottish Open, please. I know that you've got five particular tips this week, and I must say they look rather attractive, but uh, take us through the course. Yeah, it's, it's an attractive event, full stop, isn't it? Um, treading new ground, aren't we, as you've as you kind of articulated. is um, It's the first iteration, really, of this strategic alliance between the DP World Tour and the PGA Tour, so... A full field of 156, half of the players or thereabouts from each tour. Um, and, you know, you've got this 
dilemma. You've got this scenario, as always, where players are coming, descending on Scotland and looking to fine-tune their game ahead of next week's Open Championship. So, you know, we've always seen a number of PGA Tour players play this event over the years or play one of the two Lynx swing events when the Irish Open's been played on Lynx course. Um, but this year's different. I mean, we've got 70-plus PGA Tour players, many of them making their debut in the Scottish Open, and uh, it's created an incredible market. Um, I, I, I've looked, I can't see anything on the DP World Tour in its history that's anywhere near as strong as this as a regular DP World Tour event. I'm sure that it's um, it will rank um, by far the strongest DP World Tour or European Tour event in, in history. Um, yeah, and I guess that's testament to what they've tried to achieve here with um, with this this strategic alliance. John Rahm's the favourite at twelve to one. Uh, Scottish Scheffler's the same price. Justin Thomas um, was kind of co-favourite of three um, all the way through Monday. There's a couple of places now that have pushed him out to fourteen to one. Uh, Xander Schauffele twenty to one. Xander's been playing well at the JP McManus, so his price has been nibbled in a little bit. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick 20 to 1, Patrick Cantlay 25s, Will Zalatoris 28s, Sam Burns 30, Cameron Smith. I mean, this just gives you an idea of some of the some of the names that we're contending with this week. Uh, Cameron Smith 30 to 1, Jordan Spieth, Hideki Matsuyama, Colin Morikawa all 33 to 1, 40 to 1 bar those players. And there's an awful lot of players, a lot of named players below that. Uh, Below that list that I've just read through there, who um, you know, stand a chance and, uh, and and certainly kind of household names as well. So, um, incredibly good quality field for a regular and yeah, Rolex Series event. I get that, um, but yeah, for a regular DP World Tour event, um, very strong. Now we're playing at the Renaissance Club. Uh, it hosts for the fourth year in succession. So, if you're looking at the event stats or the combined stats on the website this week, then the last three years are the ones that you want to be looking at 29 20 20 20 21 now as you said it sits on that north berwick coast it's the what they call the yeah. gulf coast isn't it up there in uh, in yeah. scotland um and sits between muirfield um, and archerfield links in fact it, you know literally flanks the two courses um, it's designed to look and feel very much like a Lynx course, as you'd expect. But in reality, it only opened in 2008. It was manufactured from a pine forest. So it's one of these new modern style links that's been designed to look very much like it's been around for, for a century. But in reality, it's been around for a, a decade or so. Um, but typically linksy features with it, deep bunkering gorse, thick rough. Um, you've got three of the holes alongside the coast fescue greens and for fescue greens I mean, you've you got the last three events here um castle stewart which was one of the events or one of the locations rather for this event before and um, that had fescue greens as well the 2017 open championship at raw Birkdale again fescue greens so if you want to get an idea of players who play well and putt well on that surface then um, those events are worth having a look through the course itself, 7,293-yard par 71. Realistically, and this is the same, it carries with all of these linksy or coastal courses that we talk about, these exposed tracks. It only plays as tough as the conditions allow. So when we've seen different weather conditions here, we've seen very differing uh, winning scores. Just looking at the forecast, actually, when I did my pre 
analysis of this at the back end of last week it looked like it was going to be really quite breezy 15 20 miles an hour pretty much every day gusting higher than that um as of this morning tuesday morning over here in the uk <clears throat> it looks like the wind's not going to be quite as strong as i'd originally um, anticipated maybe 10 to 15 miles an hour sunday still looks a bit breezy maybe up to 20 of course the gusts and uh, coastal gulf you do get uh, you do get you know intricacies within each of the days and gustier periods and calmer periods as well wednesday actually um for the practice days looks particularly gnarly um 30 35 miles an hour so had they been playing that on one of the uh, tournament days and that could have been quite interesting but but yeah I think it's going to be relatively uh, it's not it's not going to be overly difficult I don't think it's not an overly difficult course anyway 10 15 20 miles an hour is kind of what it's built for Um, when it gets in excess of that that's when it starts to get a little bit tricky but I think it's still going to be scorable this week um Let's, I'll just give you an idea of some of the players that have won the Scottish Open in the past, some of the prices as well, because it does set the scene a little bit. 2010, Eduardo Molinari won at 70 to 1. 2011 was Luke Donald at 10s. Jeeve Milka Singh won at 100 to 1 the following year. 2013 was when Phil Mickelson won back to back and opened the Open Championship the following week. 22 to 1 he was when he won the Scottish Open, same price the following week at the uh, Open Championship. Justin Rose, 14 to 1 in 2014. Ricky Fowler came over and won at 22 to 1 the following year, 2015. Alex Noren, 50 to 1. Rafa Cabrera Bayo, 50 to 1. Brandon Stone in 2018 was a 400 to 1 shot, coming in with pretty much no incoming form. So, one of those that would have taken a crystal ball to have plucked him out, I think. Bernd Biesverger, 40 to 1. Aaron Rye was 50 to 1 in 2020. And then last year was Minwoo Lee at 200 to 1. Now, those last three uh, winners, as I said earlier, they all played here. It was all played at the Renaissance Club. Biesverger won at 22 under par. Aaron Rye was 11 under. Now, remember with Rye, that event was the one that was played in the autumn, all of the post COVID. cancellations and uh, and then rearrangements meant that that event or this event was played in the autumn that year so it was tougher it was wetter it was windier 11 under par was uh, rise uh, total that year so from 22 to 11 last year Minwoo Lee won at 18 under par and I, for, for me it doesn't feel quite like a Wiesberger year I think to get to 22 25 under that kind of number I think it would probably need to be pretty wet and it needs to be pretty pretty calm all the way through the four days um, it's going to be dry um, it's going to be a little bit of breeze about so that total from last year 18 under thereabouts give or take a couple of shots either way that kind of feels more like what we'd expect this year I think um, of course we've got three years worth of data now so you can dig through the stats if you look at the um, the raw kind of traditional style stats for this greens and regulation the top 40 all of the top 40 in 2019 hit at least 70% greens in regulation. It's one of those courses. It's one of those where the greens are big. Um, 70% GIR is pretty much standard. 80% is, you know, the, the top performers are all getting 80 plus and some players will get close to 90. It's, um, it's one of those types of uh, courses that encourages that kind of stat. Last year, very slightly more tricky than 2019 even so, the top 25 finishers, all of them, again, 
had at least 70% greens in regulation. So if you're trying to find some key stats for this, I think your proximity has got to be good. You've got to be guessing the right part of these uh, greens because everyone's going to hit a disproportionately high number of greens. You've got to be converting birdies as well. Now, Bernd Wiesberger is not renowned as the, the most natural birdie maker or putter. He still made third... Understatement. Wiesberger made 30 birdies on his way to victory back in 2019. Minru Lee last year made 25 birdies in an eagle. So you're going to have to see that ball find in the bottom of the cup or yeah, with regularity. Um, Minimise the bogeys and uh, and see if you can compile a winning score that's going to get you kind of close to that 18, 20 under number, I expect, give or take. If, if you're looking through it, and, we, and you mentioned before, we've got some strokes gain stats. Um, the most consistent strokes gain stat for the three years today is strokes gain tee to green. Wiesberger was third on that score. Aaron Rye was second. Even Minwoo Lee, fourth for strokes gain tee to green last year. So all three of them were um, oh yeah, hitting that particular number, hitting that particular statistic. And if you're going to pick one number out or one stat to focus on this week, that's probably the one I'd say. With those three guys, was that made up bet with better driving or approach, or was a driving not important and approach was absolutely vital? Or? It was a mix, really. It was a mix between the three of them. I mean, the thing with Minwoo Lee is he doesn't tend to hit a massive amount of greens, um, and even so, coming into this week is the same. But the dynamics of the course change it a bit because a player who's hitting 55, 60% of greens will come here and quite readily hit 70, 75 and um, typically those yeah. kind of players um, can then, if their proximity is good, then then converting and making uh, making birdies. And you know, the, the numbers improve across the board. It's um, it, And then when they miss a green, they get up and down, so they're not losing yeah. anything that way. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, But yeah, I th- that's only the, re- the real, really only consistent stat, I suppose. The other thing, all three of those winners, all of them had f- played in Ireland the week before. All of them had a top 20. Um, the, the week before in Ireland. So um, there are stats, you know, trends that you can pluck out. The challenge with this week, of course, is that we've got an entirely different field. Um, we've got, you know, all of these players coming over from the PGA Tour. It changes the dynamic. Perhaps it changes the um, uh, the history and the trends that exist out there as well. Another thing, um, 10 out of the last 11 winners had recorded a top, thir- well, it was a top 31 finish in a previous Scottish Open. So... Um, some event history, some some event form of some descriptions uh, got to be considered. Again, we're talking about an awful lot of PGA Tour players coming over here who haven't played the course or the event before. So, you know, I, I'm not sure you can put a massive amount in these historical trends and uh, and the data of uh, Renaissance, given that that we're changing so much. But um, yeah, worth considering. I mean, the last debutant to win here, I went all the way back through and the last one I could find to win the Scottish Open was Tom Lehman back in 1997. And when you're talking maybe 40, 50 players here making their debut this week, can you put a line through all of them? There's too many, too good players to, to put a line through all of them, I think. So yeah, don't know. A challenging one, but an intriguing one nevertheless. The final point, and this is the same as um, last week in the Irish Open. The top three non-exempt players who finish inside the top 10 this week get themselves into the Open Championship. And you saw how much that meant to the likes of David Law and John Catlin and Fabrizio Zanotti uh, last week in Ireland who all managed to get themselves a, uh, a Scottish or an Open Championship 
start as a result of their efforts last week. And another three players again this week will do exactly the same thing. So uh, adds a little bit of spice to the occasion for those players who haven't got themselves a uh, got themselves a spot in the field for next week at St Andrews already. Um, I boil it all down, as you said at the top, I've backed five. And with these pre-majors, you've always got this challenge. You've always got this... Uh, scenario where you've got players who are just turning up, just warming up effectively. They want to peak the following week, and they're quite happy to go not necessarily just through the motions, but to uh, to, to try try different shots, try different, uh, just test how good their game is. Um, so some players will perennially um, underperform the week before majors. Some want to come in on absolutely top form. So what I did with the entire field was when I went back to the start of 2016 and mapped every finish that they'd achieved the week before in a ma- the week before a major championship to see who stuck out. And of the players at the top of the market, the one who really stuck out to me was Justin Thomas. Now, if I read you the last seven pre-major efforts from Justin Thomas, he's finished first, 20th, 9th, 1st, 8th, 5th, 3rd. So that's two wins, three top eight finishes, and all of them top 20 finishes from his last seven pre-major. So this is the week immediately before a major championship. So it seems to me Justin Thomas is the kind of player who wants to come into a major um, playing his very, very best golf. So on the back of that, I backed him 12-1 to yesterday, uh, win only at the top of the market, um, as of this morning, Tuesday, there's a couple of places that are pushed out to fourteen to one, probably on the back of my preview. But um, but yeah, there's tw- twelve to one, fourteen to one. For me, I went only a bet to see if that trend can continue and Justin Thomas can uh, convert another uh, win. Um, well worth taking on, I think. Now those two wins that I mentioned, one of them at the 2018 Bridgestone Invitational to WGC, 2020 was at St Jude's, both decent events. More recently, he finished fifth at the Byron Nelson uh, the week before winning the US PGA Championship a couple of months back. Finished third at the Canadian Open before the US Open recently. Now that week he finished with a 63-64 weekend. I remember all of us discussing that on the podders to, uh, to you know, that, that very strong spark of form. So um, it seems like he does come into these um, pre-major events focused and um, if he wins, then it doesn't seem to dist- distract him or doesn't seem to be something that is going to overly affect the uh, you know the, the fact that he's playing a major the following week. Other things with uh, JT, I mean, statistically, you don't really need to justify a player with his quality, do you? Um, looking at his PGA Tour record so far this year, he's third for strokes gained tee to green, and that aligns with the, the winners here, as we've said. He's played the event a couple of times, so he's not coming in as one of these um, raw players to the field um, and, and a debutant on the field. He has played here twice. He finished ninth in 2019. He finished eighth in 2021, so last year. And both times he closed with tw- rounds of 65. So he's, he can play the course. He can score on the course. He's playing some good golf. Um, quite happy to take him on at the top of the market at uh, 12 to 1. Now, in terms of each way punts, um, I've got four to back up JT. The first one, and I couldn't resist staying on board, Ryan Fox. He opened yesterday uh, 66 to 1. That was with Bet365. Got absolutely hammered in minutes. Um, I managed to get 50 to 1. The best out there right now, Tuesday morning, 45 to 1. But that's still twice the price he was last week. 10 bet, Paul. 10 bet, 45 to 1. Yep. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still prices out there if you if you're happy to take them. And uh, yeah, mm. it's you know he'll be continue to be backed. I'm sure that he'll go off shorter by the start of the event on Thursday. Uh, it's easy to see why his form's been so good. I mean, in, in the end, that final hole bogey at Mount Juliet was pretty immaterial because because uh, of the finish that Adrian Moronk put in. But even so, he's been playing some cracking golf. And if you look at his last what eight. DP World, just regular DP World Tour starts. He's won, that was at Raz El Khaimah. After that, 15th, 9th, 8th, 2nd, 2nd, 3rd, 2nd. So over his four last four regular events, he's not finished outside the top three and quite feasibly could have won two or three of those events as well. Um, in terms of setup, these exposed linksy style tracks are actually where I think he plays his best golf. Um, and I think it's a testament really to how well he's been playing that he's been contending on all these other styles of courses, types of courses of late as well. Uh, never really done it here at Renaissance, but he's got some decent Scottish Open form. Fourth at Dundonald Links back in the day, sixth at Gullen. They're respectable efforts. Last week, 12 and a half strokes gained tee to green. That was, um, again, another eye-opener. Pretty flat putting week. If the putts start dropping again, and he had been putting, or has been putting really well over the last couple of months, then I think he could be in contention again, and I think he could be dangerous. This, you know, you, you read some of the comments, oh, Ryan Fox doesn't win, can't win. You know, we'll see, there'll, there'll be some some reason why he, he fails to convert at the end. I think he's been reasonably unlucky over some of these um, some of these close calls recently. And another week, 17 under would have held last week and um, he'd have walked away as the champion. So um, I'm quite happy to give him another go this week. Uh, other three others to go. Aaron Ryve backed at 70 to 1. Um we talk about this um, qualification for the Open Championship. Open Championship. This is the last chance for for Rye to get himself into the Open. Now he tried final qualifying last Tuesday and ended up losing in a playoff at Fairmont St Andrews. So he came extremely close. Now he had to get into the top ten last week and then beat one of the top three non qualifiers. He made the top ten. He finished ninth, but there were three players ahead of him who Good. took those three spots. So um, so he didn't make the uh, field again. Same equation again this week. You'd imagine that he's going to be super motivated to do well this week. Mm. Um, and where where better to do it? He's returning to the scene of his most recent um, win on the DP World Tour. 2020, that was the one that was played in those tough autumn conditions. He held off Tommy Fleetwood in the playoff that week. Um, shouldn't be so tough this week, so he needs to make some more birdies. But um, we're actually seeing some putts drop from Aaron Wright. I was... I followed quite a bit of his golf last week and the number of 10, 12, 15 foot putts that I saw dropping from Aaron Rye um, was was more than noteworthy. Uh, it kind of backs up to what we've said before. I think you mentioned in a previous pod that he'd led the field for strokes game putting at uh, Memorial back a few weeks ago, which mm. was a bit of a bit of an eye opener. Eye opener, yeah. Yeah, and seventh for strokes game putting last week. On uh, in Ireland, and uh, you know, not only these 15 footers, 20, 30, 40 footers, there's, there's the odd one that's dropping as well. Now, you and I have watched Aaron Ryan and um, you know, kind of put your hands over your eyes when you see him putt, but uh, seems to be some real positivity with the flat stick at the moment. And for a player of his style, that really does make him dangerous pretty much wherever he goes. So, I thought 71 worth taking on that. Uh, kind of player this week same price similar kind of justification for Lucas Herbert now Herbert opened at 100 to 1 
And uh, again, as another one of these players that a lot of punters latched onto very quickly. Best you'll get out there, 70 to 1 at the moment. But again, I think that's worth taking on. Uh, ninth last week, so same as Aaron Wright. He's finished fourth here at Renaissance in his last two attempts. He led at halfway in 2020, um, 66-65 to open, shot 79 in round three, and then bounced back with a 65 to finish fourth. A bit more regular last year, 69-68, and then 64-66 over the weekend. So one of the very best weekend um, aggregate totals um, to finish fourth. Eighth and sixth, the strokes game putting on those two efforts. Um very capable player. Twice a winner on the DP World Tour. He won that Butterfield Bermuda Championship on the PGA Tour back in October in those breezy conditions. Can handle a bit of, bit of wind if it's uh, if it does materialise this week. Um, defending last week, of course, the ninth. What stuck out of these stats, he was seventh for strokes gain tee to green. That was his best strokes gain tee to green performance last week since he won the Dubai Desert Classic back at the start of 2020. So... If that element of his games work, we know how good a putter Lucas Herbert is, then um, put both of those together, he can have a really good week, I think. Um, and finally, I've gone with the defending champion, Min Woo Lee, 150 to 1. Now, I'm not really one for, for backing the defending champion. You know, you've, they've got media responsibilities, they've got focus, you know, there's expectation ordinarily. But I think... This week's different. You're turning up to an event where you've got all of these um, top-level PGA Tour players um, turning up. You've got all of the talk and all of the narrative of this strategic alliance. You've got all of this live um, shenanigans going on in the background, legal challenges which have come in overnight with Ian Poulter and all sorts of stuff going on. And I think that Rimu Lee effectively will get away extremely lightly in terms of any kind of uh, responsibility for being the uh, defending champion. Um, so pretty much under the radar, I would imagine. And, and again, these coastal linksy style tracks right up his alley. He was brought up in Perth. He mastered the stinger from an early age, so he can deal with any kind of coastal breeze. Won the Vic Open at 13th Beach back in 2020. Um, he, you know, of course, won this last year. That was after finishing 17th at the Irish Open the week before. So um, he'd shown a little bit of form. A bit disappointed I, I was to, to have missed out on him last year because I'd backed him a few times early in the year for much the same justification on, on similar kind of style courses. Uh, 58th last week, so nothing, you know, no, nowhere near the same level of, um, of, of result last week at the Irish Open. But before that... 14th at the Masters, 27th at the US Open. Both respectable efforts in some top quality fields. Uh, and then I think the only other thing to consider really is that his sister, Minji Lee, she won her second major last month. When you go back to 12 months ago, um, Min Wu won this and then she won her first major a, a week or so later. And perhaps there's uh, perhaps a bit of uh, brotherly, sisterly... Um, you know, perhaps something will rub off, and they'll um, they'll uh, find that Minwoo Lee can pick up and uh, become the uh, the sibling with the most recent win this week. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest to see him go well. So Minwoo Lee, one hundred and fifties. Lucas Herbert, seventy. Aaron Rye, seventy to one. Uh, Ryan Fox now into forty fives, and there's a bit of fourteen to one about Justin Thomas if you fancy taking him at the top of the market. That's my five. Any from you, Steve? Uh, I'll back. I will back Fox. Why not? Uh, he's playing well. I was on him last week. Um, 
He always grabs me as being coastal positive. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and he's, um, he's, he's playing such good golf that he's competing any, anywhere and contending anywhere at the moment. But yeah, if you boil it down, his best golf historically has been on these linksy and exposed style tracks. Now, in him and Aaron, uh, in Aaron Rye and Bernd Wiesberger, you won, You had people here that came off a runners-up finish the hour in before to actually get the job done at this. Yep. That correct? Yep. Yep. I know how. Um, I know how fickle the golfing, the golf betting gods are. How perverse they can be. <laughs> um, it would be completely. It would be completely normal for Will Zalatoris to win his first. PGA Tour event in Scotland on an event I'm not covering after I've followed him for years and had yep. multiple runner-up finishes. So, yeah, I think I'll have a little pop at 28 on Zalatoris as well. Just to really, that's FOMO bet. Yeah. Yeah, Willie Z. See if he uh, see if he can get that magic putter, which only seems to work in uh, elite companies. Majors, yeah. I don't know if the scoring's going to be right for him. What, what, what do you think this week? Yeah, I, if I was I, to put a gun to your head, I know it's difficult, if, especially at a coastal course and blah blah blah. If, if, if you were to ask me, I, I think it will be pretty much the same as last year. Would be my, um, I'd say, I'd say eighteen under. If you can get to that number, mm. I think you'll be in with a good chance of winning on Sunday. Would be my gut feel with it. Of course, if it gets windier, then it changes the dynamic. If the wind lies down, then it changes the dynamic. There's no uh, rain in the forecast, so I expect it to get progressively firmer and faster. So it it should present a little bit of a challenge. Um, the, you know, the the the, the challenge the, the issue with Renaissance is ahead of a gnarly Open Championship. It's not really compatible. Uh, St Andrews next week, one of the easier courses in in you know benign conditions. Perhaps it's a little bit more, um, you know, relevant to, to what we'll see next week. But um, we shall see. But yeah, no, if, to answer your question, yeah, 18s would be my kind of number. I think we've seen him. Um, we've seen Zalatoris. He's got a reasonable coastal record. Top ten at the PGA at Kira last year. Yeah. Um, he's also had a seventh at Torrey Pines, which was followed this year, of course, by the runners-up finish to Luke List of all people yep. at Torrey Pines at the Farmers. So, and the other thing that's very noticeable about Will Zalatoris, tenth for strokes game putting at the PGO, thirtieth at Memorial, fourth at the US Open. Who's actually getting putts to draw? As yeah. you say, they tend to be more in majors, but I don't know. Just get the feet. He's the one that I would want to cover off towards the top. Who will? Who you know? I'd be again jumping out of my window if he wins and I'm not on him. Mm. But it's one of those events. I, I, I get the Scottish Opens. They don't tend to be friendly to me. I, I, I think I'll keep my money in my pocket for the Open. Yep. Plus the fact I've got a few to a few that I've backed at this Barbasol Championship. Yeah, yeah. Can be very open, can't it? There's there's a hell of a lot of great golfers there, and um, you know some are going there for a warm up, 
and then others. That's why I like Aaron Rye as well. It has to be said. I mean, I was on Rye in Scotland, in Ireland last week. I think I might have a little bit of that action as well. Yeah. Because he is absolutely 100% focused on playing well to get that open championship outing that he's missed out by, you know, by the smallest of margins over the last seven days. Yeah, there's huge motivation there. Now, that will go one of two ways. He'll either miss the cut or he'll be right at the top of the leaderboard. That's true, though, isn't it? Yeah. He'll get too much for him, it'll fire him. Yeah. Yeah, if he finds himself too far away from the lead, then the motivation levels just drop, and yeah, that's when it you know you can tail off quickly. If he finds himself in with a chance, and particularly when he's putting well, then you might find that he's uh, he gives himself a chance of actually winning the golf tournament, which would be nice at seventy one. Well, I had a quick think about while you were talking, Christian Bezadenhu. Has he got any um, coastal? experience or strong results to your knowledge because we've always had him down as a tree line short course monster yeah and guess where you know guess where he finished second last week well at the john deere classic yeah yeah it's short course wide fairways um tree long no it's that's exactly where you'd categorize him really it's that those kind of courses those kind of classical style tracks um are much mm. more up his alley bent grass greens um Again, you know, if you look at this raw second place finish the week before stat, then potentially that's something to to latch on to. But yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd prefer him on a different style course, I think. No, I thought so. That was my gut feel. Mm. Should we talk Barbasol? Go for it. It's pretty poor, mate. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty poor. <laughs> it didn't fill me with enthusiasm. It has to be said. Um. They play in Kentucky. It's one of these alternate events where clearly the you know, the main action this week is in Scotland. The Barbasol used to be played the same week as the Open. Yeah. They've now moved this to the Scottish Open week, so co-sanctioned on both. And there's a lot of um, there's a lot of DP World Tour players that are flying over to Kentucky. Yeah, fifty or so, I think, isn't it? Yeah, that that must be a, a fun charter flight out of um, Ireland last week. <laughs> Um, George Coatsy, I noticed. Gorgeous George is playing in Kentucky. Yeah, what a treat! Yeah, they tend to they tend to. I mean, as you would expect, the Scottish Open that's that's taking the. But you know, Julian Brun, George Coatsy, I'm reading here. Um, Niklas Norgard Miller. I don't know most of these players. I know Marcel Schneider. You've been putting up recently. He's going over there with Hurley Long, who's yeah. another one that Barry mentions most week. Wins. Yeah, yeah. Um, Barry was on. So there's some half decent players going over. Mm. Uh, Brant Schnedeker's decided to WD overnight. It's clearly too much for Brant. <laughs> He'll be playing off a um, a career earnings exemption before you know it. He might even be doing that now. I, I've lost. I've lost the plot with uh, Brant over the years. But um, I, I genuinely think that, uh, that as a segue, that's a weird one. But this Barbasol Championship. And a lot of these alternate events, when you actually go down to a clean spreadsheet on Excel and you work through the numbers and you see who's done well and you see who's contended, you do see a pattern. I mean, I'm just looking at the Barbasol here from last year. Seamus Powell won at 20 to 1. He came off inbound form of 19th, 19th, 8th, and then the week before 8th at the John Deere Classic. 20 to 1 favourite. 
he was 123rd in the FedEx Cup standings. So yeah. even though he played all that great golf, his PGA Tour playing privileges were very much up in the air, arriving at the Barbershop. Bearing in mind, we've only got a few weeks to the end of the regular season. The Wyndham in August. So if you're, if you're, if you're outside the top 125 now, you've got some severe pressure. Because you've only got a, a, a relatively small amount of outings. And don't forget, once you get past uh, next week, the uh, they're playing the Barracuda next week, you've then got, I think, the Rocket Mortgage, the 3M, and the Wyndham. Some of these players will struggle to get in those fields. Uh, Powell was 123. Aniban Lahiri was 127 in the standings. Sam Ryder was 132. So there's three players in the top four in the leaderboard last year that were right close to or just inside the bubble for mm. full playing privileges for the next season. Yep. Jim Herman was 232. I mean, Jim Herman, if you picked him out, <laughs> miscut, made the field, miscut, miscut was his form in. 500 to 1. But they, even then, Kelly Craft was second, 154 in the FedEx Cup. Seb Stracker, who'd been in some decent nick in the build-up, 139, 30 to 1. So I can see why people are on Chess and Hadley this week. If I'd have had probably a bit more energy about me and really wanted to waste a few more points, I'd have probably included Chess and Hadley. Because he's in the same boat. Two, yeah. good, two good results. I think he's sitting mid-140s in the FedEx Cup. Bearing in mind, Hadley was the guy who miraculously last year, did he shoot something crazy like, um, oh, it was a very low round, wasn't it? I'm just trying to bring it up on my computer at the Wyndham Championship to save his card. Yeah, there was something. It was something stellar. A 62 uh, at the Wyndham last year. Mm. He shot 62 on Sunday to scrag the 125th place in the standings. So he's already had one very close call, Jason Hadley. Mm. Um, I wouldn't have thought he wants to do that again. He's in good nick, Hadley, but I haven't backed him because I... I, I I suppose I, I could have held my nose, and um, but forty to one with Unibet, it's actually not a bad price. But yeah, I'm kind of fishing in these waters, motivated players, so that you're gonna. There's a few in there, um, Streelman, for example, Svensson, um, Patton Kazai. You can Hayden Buckley. You can look at their numbers, and they're quite attractive. But actually. They all look pretty comfortable. If they miss the cut this week, hey-ho, they've got their card for next year. They're not overly fussed about it. Mm. You've got players in there, though, that are absolutely busting their balls to try and get the top 125 position, and they're the ones that I want. Yep. And that's as simple as I've kept it. I, I've, I've kept it that simple. Um, course, it's all pretty nondescript, really. I had a chat with um, Wiley on on DMs last week because Wiley's a Kentucky guy. Um, he plays the course quite regularly. And he told me he thought this was more of a bomber's golf course. Um, it tends to play quite soft. Bent grass greens. Um, the ball at Keen Trace Golf Club um, 
it goes on forever. Um, Wiley, um, Golflandia podcast. So there's a shout out to Wiley. Um, go and listen to that, Matt. Um, great podcast that he puts out there every week. Keen Trace Golf Club, Nicholasville, Kentucky. He said to me, um, he thought it was a bomber's golf course. Because his words to me were, if Johnny Vegas is playing, he's going to be all over him like a rash. Um, 7,328 yard par 72. It's all very nondescript, but the greens are Bengrass. Wide, wide fairways. Now, you think Bombers Golf Course. He told me Bombers Golf Course. He said he's played about 40 rounds around here, so I'm not going to argue with him. But then you look at the three winners here. Troy Merritt, hardly a bomber. Jim Herman, hardly a bomber. Uh, dead arrow straight Jim Herman. And Seamus Power. Now, Power can get it out of there. But I wouldn't put him in the bomber category. No, but no. I've taken on board what he said about bombers. One of mine definitely is. But yeah, it's just perennially in the six easiest courses on the PJ Tour. It's it's a just a genuine birdie fest. Uh, 21 under, 26 under, 23 under have been the winning totals here. You've got a lot of players there. Um, a lot of them are in jeopardy in terms of their cards. Three I've gone for. Now, I've fallen into this trap before. But I just, I, like I said, I managed personally with... <laughs> I had about a three-minute window to do it, so I can't mention the price on my preview because by the time you and I pressed the button and it went live, uh, that 33-1 to 1 was long gone. But Chris got her up, I mean. He's clearly a very strong talent. Jack Nicholas Award winner out of University of Oklahoma. Everything I read about him is he's very matter-of-fact. Um, his, his golf coach says he's never met anyone like him. It's just all kind of goes over his head. He's very easy, but he's very talented. Mm. Um, we've seen this so often, haven't we? Jordan Spieth, John Rahm, Morikawa, Hovland, Wills Alatoris. Guys that you've never heard of. I mean, Mito Perea was one again last year, wasn't it? Mito came up from the Cornberry. Not many people knew about him. And all of a sudden, they're just lining up top 10 finishes. Yeah. And, you know, this is the PGA Tour. Um, it is the main tour of golf, d- despite Liv and the Saudis trying to break that. But some of these events aren't very good, and this is certainly one of them. I just think Gotter up. The way that he plays his golf, um, 335 off the tee, hits lots and lots uh, relatively, I think he was over 60-65% fairways hit last week. That's a dangerous tool round here, I think. Mm. So I, I took 20 to 1, seven places each way with Paddy Powell. Um, the way I'm working it out, if he can get a second place finish this week, and this is the way I'm sure he's looking at it and his team, if he gets a second place finish this week, he gets special temporary membership at the PGA Tour. Yeah, I saw he was close, wasn't he? So is that what? It, how yeah, it works again, out? you said Rob Bolton at the top. Yeah, I've took this from Rob. Rob says he's basically sixty percent of the way there. The way it works, I believe, is um, you have to get within. You have to get the amount of points total that the guy that finished one hundred and fiftieth in the FedEx Cup last year got to get your uh, special okay. temporary membership. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so second place this week. Um, I'm sure that he'd prefer first, and I certainly would. Um, but yes, he's a he's a class player, and a bit like Ryan Fox for you yesterday and Lucas Herbert. Whenever his price was being put up on first show, it was getting annihilated. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'll join that club. So I'm on gutter up. He's obvious, but you know, there's a guy that's playing there, turning up. Special temporary membership is available, which is a huge deal. 
Um, he's fifth across my strokes gained eight-week trackers for T to green. He's also third for strokes gained current form. Uh, 43rd at the US Open, 35th at the Travellers, and of course, fourth last week at the John Deere Classic. That John Deere Classic track and here, Troy Merritt, there's a lot of carryover, you know, because it's both bent grass greens, relatively short. They're easy golf courses. I've gone for two at bigger prices. I've got 50 to 1 on Kelly Craft. And that's with Unibet, six places each way. Craft, he missed his me me uh, medical extension at the Valspar. So now he's doing whatever he can to try and get at least 150. Because if you can get 126, 150 um, status, at least you're going to be playing on the PJ Tour next year. Uh, you just won't be able to 100% um, go to each tournament you want. But I think he's also going to be able to get into the Corn Ferry Finals. But he's bang on the mark now. He's 150 on the FedEx Cup. And it reminds me of what he did uh, three years ago. He was 154th coming here into 2019. He'd finished 66th at the John Deere Classic. And then he shot 65, 67, 61, <laughs> 61, 11 under <laughs> on the Saturday. He was one shot back of Jim Ehrman going into Sunday. He did finish second that, that particular year. So I just thought 50 to 1 on a guy that's actually playing some nice golf at the moment. Um, he's driving the ball very well. He's, he's finished 15th in Mexico, 13th at the RBC Canadian Open, Kelly Craft, recently. Uh, he was also 7th. Uh, he fired a 63 last week at the John Deere Classic. Went into the weekend 7th. 10th after 54. Um, he then eventually finished in the uh, 24th. So he's playing some good golf, Kelly Graft. Knows the course. Had success here. Highly motivated. Driving the ball well. His approach plays good. And Crafts is one of these kind of good putters, sneaky scorers. So Crafts in for me. 50 to 1. And then my last one here, because I just want, I want to keep the stakes low. Just have a few runners and riders. Austin Cook. 157th in the FedEx Cup standings right now. Got no winner's exemption. Last few weeks, he's finished 13th at the RBC Canadian Open. That was his best finish of the year so far. Sorry, the season so far, after he opened up 11th at the Fortinet Championship, the first tournament of the season. Uh, 63rd at the Travellers and a career best. 16th at the John Deere Classic last week for Austin Cook. He's kind of Jim Herman route here. He's not long off the tee, but he is dead straight. A very, very, very sneaky putter, Austin Kirk. And he's an Arkansas kind of, he's an Arkansas individual, which you look at the geography, kind of a couple of states just to the west of Kentucky. So this kind of territory, this kind of heat, it's going to be very hot, very humid, bent grass greens. I think he'll go well, Austin Cook. Mm. He finished fourth here again in that 2019 renewal. Yep. So you had Herman, you had uh, Kelly Craft. He was in fourth spot. 67, 66, 63 he shot to get him into third spot into Sunday. He eventually finished fourth. So yeah, he's playing some nice golf beneath the surface, is Austin Cook. The other thing is, he won the 2018 RSM Classic. He won that at 21 under. And now I remember this in 2020. He was in the playoff at the Shriners Open. 
with Martin Laird and also with Matthew Wolf. He shot 23 unders to get into that on those bent grass greens at, yeah. in Las Vegas. Yeah. Can go so low. Cook, one of those. You know when the scoring's, the scoring's easy? Cook's the kind that can hit fairways, hit greens, collate a score. He's in a desperate plight. He's 157, so he'll he'll be here coming with full enthusiasm. So Cook for me, Craft, Gotterub. I wouldn't shoot you down in flames. I, I haven't put him up, Chesson Hadley. It's hard to get excited about Chesson because he, he can be just all over the place, but he's playing some good golf at the moment. Mm. Have, have you picked out any? No, well, I've, I've backed three. The first one I've backed, same as you, is Austin Cook, who I thought that 80 to 1 price point was um, was really strong, given the relative strength of the field out there and um, the, the odd spark of form that we've seen in the course form. It's uh, it, it does all add up quite nicely. Yeah. Um, the other two that I've backed, I backed James Hahn at 70 mm. to 1. Yeah. Um, if you look back, he'd missed eight cuts on the trot before finishing fifth here last year. Now, that's exactly what James Hahn does. We've talked about it ad nauseum. James Hahn, Jim Herman, you know, a string of miscuts. That's the kind of form you want before a contending performance. But That's yeah. true. It's perverse, but it's true. It's, it's what he does. Um, he shot, an yeah. eight, uh, shot a 60 on the Saturday to put himself in position and held on for a fifth-place finish. Um, coming into this, this year, much better form, actually. Two top tens in his last five starts. Ninth at the Wells Fargo, ninth at the Byron Nelson, and again, really low round in there. Shot a 61 in the third round at the Byron Nelson. Last couple of starts, not quite so good, but that's what's kept his price out at 70 to 1 in what is a relatively poor field. And James Hahn can win. James Hahn is one of those players that can actually get over the line. So, um, quite happy to take him. Um, The other one I've backed is Bo Hogue at 100 to 1. Now, again, it's one of those players. He's one of those players that's um, really quite erratic. He had nine miscuts on the bounce, then found something last week. He shot a sixty-three in the third round, finished sixteenth overall. And again, if you look back historically, last year finished eleventh here. He shot four rounds in the sixties. So just putting those two together, um, picking out a three-figure price, um, I thought it was worth a punt at hundred to one. So Hogue, Hahn, and Austin Cook for me. It's a keen trace. Han, yeah. It, he can he win. He was on my sh- very short list. Yeah. So, yeah, I could see Han, especially off three missed cuts. That's what he does. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, good price for Han. And he's, I think he's literally, he, he's again another one, 140 something on the FEC. 136, yeah. 136, so, yeah. yeah. Right in so that that's, sweet that's spot. In that, that's in that sweet spot, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, put you off. Right, I think that's us, isn't it? It is indeed. So we'll, we'll be back later in the week with a um, Open Championship preview show, which uh, hopefully we can get Barry on board for that when he's back from uh, these JP McManus exploits. Yes, we can go through some detail around St Andrews. Mm. Brilliant. Yeah, look Thank you for your time. Point. I hope your bets go well. Yeah, best of luck, Steve. And to you. Uh, best of luck to listeners. Uh, we'll see you next time. We'll be back for the uh, Open Research Podcast later this week. Enjoy your golf betting. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the 